is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here tonight doing the Calle Ocho and Carnival Miami wrap-up show. This is the Only in Miami show, and you can find us at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We've got Barbara Turbay, who is the queen of Carnival, here with us tonight, live in the studio. Hopefully we're going to have a visit from Suenalo, at least a call-in. <laughs> We've also got the president of Kiwanis, Tony Tony Lorenzo. Lorenzo. I'm sorry, I'm thinking Lorenzo. (laughs) Tony (laughs) Lorenzo, president of Kiwanis. Kiwanis is the civic group that puts on Carnival Miami, Calle Ocho, and Carnival on the Mile every single year. This is the Only in Miami show. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. I would like to bend your ears for just a few minutes with my thoughts on something current and to make an announcement about the No Walmart in Midtown campaign. Many of you may know that I started a website, www.nowalmartinmidtown.com. It is our contention that the city of Miami gave out an illegal permit to Walmart. And because of that, our group sponsored an appeal that went through the city of Miami commission. And after it went to the commission... Our group sponsored an appeal that went to the courts. Now, typically, when one of these matters goes into court, the party that's opposing the appeal, in this case, Walmart, typically files a motion to dismiss the case if there's no merit to that case. In all of the public meetings, they've said over and over again that in every way, Their project complies with the city of Miami's zoning code and the Midtown Master Plan, and that, quote, everybody agrees. But everybody wasn't enough. So Walmart went out and hired Manny Diaz, former mayor of the city of Miami, to represent them in their appeal. It's an extraordinary hire, considering that Mr. Diaz's field is not zoning. Anyhow, it has come to light very recently that Walmart elected to bypass their motion to dismiss and answer the appeal by the NoWalmartInMidtown.com group. By doing so, this guarantees that the appeal will have its day in court. That's very important because oftentimes these types of appeals peter out before even reaching an actual decision on the facts. It is my earnest opinion that Walmart has not complied with the Midtown Miami zoning code in numerous ways, and that the end of this appeal will result in the denial of Walmart's permit to build in Midtown Miami. This is the Only in Miami show, and we're going to be right back with Tony Lorenzo and Barbara Turbay and discussing Calle Ocho, Only in Miami.
Only in Miami show is brought to you by Morningside Mortgage. For more information, check them out online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. You can catch me on Twitter at Grant Stern, G-R-A-N-T-S-T-E-R-N. And I'd like to welcome our guests, Barbara Turbay and Tony Lorenzo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us. Good evening. Good afternoon for everyone who's out there. Good afternoon, right? With the time change, it really is afternoon instead of evening, huh? Yes. Well, let's get started here. So I'm going to start with Tony. Tony, tell our audience a little bit about the Kiwanis organization that puts on Calle Ocho and Carnival on the Mile every single year. Well, the Kiwanis Club of Little Havana has been around since 1975. started with uh, four gentlemen. Um, the first president was Asi Panting, and they just decided that in 1975 they wanted to find a way to help all the exiles coming from other countries to Miami and help them. They were coming, leaving everything at home and coming basically just with whatever clothing they had in their pockets. So they decided to create a block party. At that point, it was just one block, one stage, just one act, and it was called Open House. It was called Open House, yeah, not Coyote. No, it was called Open House. It was, an, it was called the Open House Party. <laughs> Um, and they predict, uh, and they expected like 10,000 people to arrive at this mm-hmm. event, and they were thinking they were going to raise a couple, a couple dollars to help out. And uh, the day of the event, over 100,000 people showed up. Whoa, whoa. 100,000 people in one block? In one block. It was, uh, <laughs> no, it was uncontrollable. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And um, from 1976 to today, it has transitioned to the biggest block party ever, close to a million people. And is now called Calle Ocho. That's amazing. So it all started with one block and kind of by accident, like 100,000 people showed up. Right. Wow. So uh, are there any other, I mean, there's also Carnival on the Mile, but are there any other events that Kiwanis Club of Little Havana is involved in? Of course. We have our Carnival Miami uh, two weeks starts with Miss Carnival Miami pageant, which we have the beautiful Barbara Turbay, our winner. Um, that event starts in, in late February and we crown the Miss Carnival Miami and she... Uh, and she becomes our ambassador. Okay, I think we'll come back to that event. <laughs> exactly. Then right after that, we have a race that we always do uh, to raise for Children's Cancer Center. And we, we run that race in early March. And then right after that, we have our, our event that's a jazz arts festival in Coral Gables called Carnival on the Mile. Okay. I think I, we, we were at Carnival on the Mile last week. I actually uh, played a track by Paolo was one of the uh, groups that played there. And th- the music we just heard a moment ago was by Swendelo. They were the only group I know of that played both festivals, right? S- right. Swendelo plays in almost all our festivals. We love those guys. Those guys, the music, the, you know, the, the music that they provide is, is great. It's, a, it, it's basically a fits in any type of event. Oh, yeah. And, and we love to partner with them and have them in all our, almost in all our, all our acts. No, it's, uh, it's great to have them out. And hopefully we get a couple of them into the studio a little bit later. That'd be great. Yeah. So every year it's uh is it the second Sunday of the year when wh- like when can people set their calendars to know that it's Cayocho? It's always the second Sunday of March. It's always the second Sunday of March. Yes. Yeah. I mean it just it rushes up on you so fast. It does. It's amazing that uh we'll start 
tomorrow we'll start setting up for Cayocho 2015. We'll start pre- doing the early preparations and speaking to the sponsors and getting confirmations. It, it takes it takes a, a long time to get that party. Well, so, I mean, it, it must take a small army of volunteers. How many people are in the Kiwanis Club of Little Havana? We have 160 members. Wow. Yeah. 160, and, and then... Uh, you know, you have other volunteers as well. Or yeah, within the, <clears throat> within the 160 members, we we manage and we have four staff members that we that that are paid. Uh, but within 160 members, we manage to to spread the the workload. We have chairmen's and logisticals, and then we set up committees and we all work together on our free time. We're all volunteers. We all have our own jobs and and itineraries all day long. So basically, we meet um once or twice a week, and whenever when we get close to carnival, we meet about a couple of days a week and make it all happen. That's amazing. Uh, just 160 people, and you have a million-person event every single year. It truly is, and the, and and really the the biggest, the best message that I would want to uh, want to say to the public is that everything that we do, all the, all of Carnival Miami Week, all the funds that we raise during the two weeks, all go right back to the community for our, for the underprivileged. Okay, so tell us a little bit about some of the charitable activities because uh, Kiwanis is a is a nonprofit, right? That is correct. So, so what are some of the giving back activities besides the festivals that, that people don't see every day that Kiwanis is involved in? Well, our, our first community project that we'll be doing, undertaking now after Cayocho has been done is our summer camp. We'll have a summer camp that we host and we provide over 300 kids that are underprivileged and can't afford to be at a regular summer camp. And uh, we provide them a whole summer of activities, literacy program, field trips, and it's just a ball. They have a great time. So... How does somebody that's looking to get involved with the Kiwanis of, of Little Havana find you guys? Oh, that's very easy. They can find us on the web. They can go to uh, KiwanisClubOfLittleHavana.com, or they can go to CarnivalMiami.com, or they can reach us at 305-644-8888. Okay, that went by real fast. I think we're going to have to tell them one more time. What's the phone number? 305-644-8888. And you can go to CarnivalMiami.com. Carnival Miami. Carnaval. So C-A-R-N-A-V-A-L. Correct. Miami.com. That's correct. So what was your favorite part of Cayocho last night? Well, I had many. I had many. Every single stage had uh, amazing acts. Um, My best part, I guess, would have to be the Celia tribute. This Cayocho, we decided to dedicate it to Celia Cruz, and it it was a nice touch to do the the procession with with the big with her sculpture and it was that was that was nice to see all the the crowd enjoying taking pictures and it was really nice. Was that the sculpture resting on Fifteenth Street? Yes, that's correct. I thought so. Yeah, it was a very popular area. I got quite a few pictures over there too. It was that was done by a local artist, Ivan Galindo. He's actually a local. He's right there on Southwest Eighth Street. Oh, I've just heard we've got some Swenlo members here. They're going to come good. in after the next break. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, when you go there, you usually eat on the street too? Um, if I have time. If you yes. have time. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. When you're organizing the event, it's, it's wild. It's I mean, wild. We start Saturday morning. We wake up Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We have our, our final logistical, uh, run through the whole entire event, making sure we, we're not missing anything. And then we close the street at 10 o'clock at night and... We're up till twelve. Well, till the next day, till Monday morning. I was going to say, have you had any sleep yet? <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah, I I was back out there dropping friends off at about ten ten thirty, and I took a picture, and it was just striking because as far as the eye can see, every twenty feet 
on the left side and the right side of the road, there's a garbage can. That's correct. <laughs> and there's somebody feeding every single one of those. I feel like you need two million people to clean up after one million. <laughs> well, you should see it's pretty impressive to see the army of, of the city of Miami Waste Department come out there and do their job, and they do it very effectively. Yeah, well, you know, it makes me question why won't why don't we have more of these? Why don't we have more large scale street festivals in Miami? We can certainly handle it as a city, right? We certainly can. So, I mean, what's your favorite story about organizing Cayocho? That's like an only in Miami story. Uh, you could pick one. I know it's tough to pick from the many, but just like one of those, uh, you know. You know, surprised that this uh, happened kind of deals. Every year, I mean, I've been in the club for 20 years. So every every year when we're setting up, when, we're, when we start working for Cayo, setting up Cayocho and we get to that point, I'm standing there and I see the million people on the street. I see the noise. I see the music. I see, I smell the food. And I just, I, I, I look at myself and the members and I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that we have accomplished this. It's a major undertaking, especially for us that we're all volunteers. So we really, I mean, we spend our spare time. Uh, creating this great event, and then at the end of the day, we're like, when we see the fruit, when we see like all, at the end result, we see that we're changing kids' lives and making a difference in our community, giving a kid a scholarship, uh, making a difference in a child that would be staying home in the summer with no one to take care of them. Um, our Christmas projects that we provide uh, gifts for kids that cannot afford a, a, a Christmas gift and Thanksgiving. I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, that's that's really what keeps us going every year. That That's really important work, aside from the you know, bringing people together in public, which is, is a huge, huge mitzvah, I call it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a wonderful thing. I Personally, I feel that uh, when the suburb was invented, nobody thought about what happens on city streets anymore. Yeah. And as a result, it's almost like people that are from those suburbs that have lived this life where the city street is set aside for a car and not a person, they almost don't speak the same language as people that live in cities. in cities because like the streets is where all the action is. Like people hang out there, there's shops, there's music, there's places to lounge the, the domino parks and you know, st- stuff like that. And it's totally absent from suburbs. That's and, and, and in a sense, I mean, when you look at all these crazy current events going on right now, yeah, a lot of it revolves around what's happening in city streets around the world. Yeah, Cayo, which is really nice. I mean, the, 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 the nice part about walking through that street is that you see all the different nationalities, everybody just having a good time, and it's just it's so colorful, and the, and the karma and the flow is just great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, name a few of the ones that you saw yesterday, and I'll, I'll see if I can name a few. The musical acts? No, not just the musical acts. I think we have lists for that, but different nationalities, like people oh, that I were see. dressed up. Oh, Colombians, Venezolanos, Puerto Ricans, Cubans. Quite a few Puerto Ricans. <laughs> Quite a few Puerto Ricans. Well, Daddy oh, Yankee oh, is that's, the king of carnival. You know, so. we were wondering, we're like, gosh, you know, it seems like this year there's a huge, huge, extra large Puerto Rican like contingent. I felt like there was a, a smaller Venezuelan contingent. I thought it would have been enormous. Like Me too. Me too. I thought there would have been a little bit uh, a bigger representation from the Venezuelans, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean... Maybe they, uh, they've been marched out the last month or so, maybe not in so much of a party mood. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um, you know, we, we like to think of it as the United Nations of Cayocho. And that's what it is. That is the United <laughs> Nations of Cayocho. true. No, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's Jamaicans. There's, I see Trinis out there. I mean, Carnival is actually an island festival as well as 
I mean, it's every island. It's well, not just when you go and when you go into the food. I mean, that's, that's, you can <laughs> the food is amazing, and you can get anything and everything you want. Yeah, uh, you know, my personal favorite, and I didn't realize, you know, maybe the first Kyocho I went to 15 years ago, I had it. I didn't realize where it came from. I just, you know, I was wandering around on the street. I got this great plate of paella, <laughs> right? And um, and it's like I've been around the world since then. I've had other paellas, and I didn't know, you know, I was like, gosh, this this Cayocho paella is the best. And it turns out it was Casa Juancho. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> They're on 25th and, and Cayocho. I mean, it makes sense now that, you, you know, I just I didn't even think about it. I was staying at a friend's house on 30th Avenue. I walked over. The first thing I saw was paella. I went crazy for it. It's good. Good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. So, um, Barbara, we're keeping you on after the break, okay? Right. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about the process that you went through to become Miss Carnival. Well, the process. I've kind of been doing um, pageants for a little while now, ever since 2011. So I always kind of stay ready. Mm -hmm. But for this one, I actually entered... I mean, I love to help out. This is the main reason why I wanted to work with the Kiwanis, right? But I went in and I said, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to go in. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to meet these girls. I'm going to have a blast. And whatever happens, happens. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And whatever's meant to be for you, it's meant to be for you. If not, then something else will better, you know, come for you. So I actually won February 8th and I was thrilled. I was so happy because, to be honest with you, I, I really didn't expect to win. I guess I've done other pageants before, and sometimes, I mean, things don't work out the way you actually plan them to. So to this one, I was just like, eh, whatever happens, happens. You know, I'll have my fingers crossed. Hopefully, I'll win. And when I did, I was just like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe I did win. And it was just fabulous. I'm thrilled to be working with these amazing guys. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And I'm just so excited for, you know, this upcoming year. So you're Carnival Queen for the entire year. So that means that you've got some other duties. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we're going to be working throughout the whole year, working with the community, helping out kids, the summer camps, um, just basically doing a little bit with different communities here from South Florida and just, you know, giving a smile, giving a hug to everybody that wants one and needs one. That's awesome. Well, we're going to take a really short break here, maybe just a minute, and we're going to play some of Suenalo's fantastic music, and we're going to come right back with Barbara. And, Tony, you're going to stick around for a few? I'll stick around for a few. All righty. That sounds great. And we do have Amin from Suenalo coming in about 10 or 15 minutes. This is the Only in Miami show. And we'll be right back. Be sure line, street of full time, keeping both eyes above with the police don't find. Please don't mind me, cause I let you know the streets on fire. Not something I repeat or apply. You really can't believe most guys, we know why. And Miami on the legal lines, blurred in the green like a medieval times. People grind from nine to five. Have a free show from nine to five. As a week show, five more fees go round and around down to 95. Rock down East Street is crazy and shady. Homies might creep your ride. Even though I never see so the grace of it, full of so many things so fine.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with Barbara Turbay, the Carnival Queen. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So we can find you at Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, underscore Turbay, T-U-R-B-A-Y. Right? Yes, that's Twitter. Are you on there all the time? I try to. I try to stay in contact with um, some of my followers, trying to keep them, you know, knowing what I'm doing next or what I'm up to. I always try to meet up with some of them. It's always nice to see a lot of people that follow you. Like From one day to another, you just have like fans, little girls, little boys, people from Asia, Europe that, you know, just want to meet you. So it's awesome to keep in touch with them. That's really cool. I mean, so you tweet your own account. You're not having somebody out there. No, not yet. You. I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from originally? Are you from Miami? I was born in Bogota, Colombia. I'm Colombian. And I came here in 2000. I was like seven and a half. I was basically raised here. I grew up in Sunny Isles and graduated from Broward. And then actually I didn't know how to speak Spanish. So I had to move back to Colombia. That so was... So you you were born in Colombia, but yes. you didn't you didn't keep the Spanish. Well, I was like seven and a half when I got here. So basically, I did elementary, middle school, and high school, and I turned to like a complete white girl. <laughs> and then I started like doing these pageants, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa! If you want to represent your country, you know, you have to speak Spanish." And I was like, "You know, you have a point there." So I moved back to Colombia. I was supposed to stay there for like six months. Ended up staying there for two years. I absolutely loved it, and. Um, well, you picked yeah. a good time to come here and then a, a better time to go back there for a little while. Yeah, everything's perfect. The time's perfect. Yeah, yeah, good timing, good yes, timing. Yes. So how long have you been back? I got here um, January 2013, and I mean, I love Miami. You know, I love this city. Can't complain. You yeah? Know? What's yeah. your favorite Only in Miami story since you've been back? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you. You no. have to pick one. You know I think what? everybody has one really good Only in Miami story that they can oh, tell. God. I don't think I can tell any of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, you know, it's Miami's crazy. We live where people want to come, you know, and vacation at. But this is great. You have a little bit of everything. And what's so awesome about here is that the restaurants are great. You have great art district. You have nice museums you have a little bit of everything so it doesn't matter what you want to do you know you could just do it you have the beautiful beaches you know people from all over the world come here so you have a great variety of things that you could do and see so what was your favorite act from calle ocho and carnival if you had to pick one that you wanted to go see again okay well i love all the artists that performed i mean but your personal the favorite. one that i had like the most fun with in like the uh Right now, Sunday was definitely Alexis y Fido. Okay. Yes, they're two guys from Puerto Rico. They obviously are, you know, rappers, singers from reggaeton. Okay. And I have to say, all of the girls, we were definitely getting down. We were definitely enjoying the music and going along with the beat, and we had a blast. And uh, from Carnival on the Mile, I must say that Black Violin, the guys from Broward County, they definitely surprised me. I've never heard anything like it. I love the way that they threw some hip-hop, some rap, some jazz, and they played it with so much emotions and so much love. The way that they play together as a band is absolutely amazing. And you actually were able to like hear the emotion that the guys, the guys play with. And to me, I, I got goosebumps. That was absolutely amazing to me. Awesome. That's, that's great. That's really what Kyocho is all about. Yes. It's bringing people together to listen to some fantastic 
fantastic music. Did you get to enjoy any of the street food at either of the festivals? I know you were busy. I'm guilty. Yes, I'm guilty. I must say uh, I did try some stuff yesterday. I okay. had like two arepas con queso. Oh my mm, God, so bad. You can't but have one of those. It was so good. I had, def- <laughs> I had paella. Oh my God. I really, I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't tell you everything I had. And then from <laughs> Carnival on the Mile, it was my first time trying fried Oreos. Oh my God. Like, it was the, it was amazing. The girls were like, you've never tried fried Oreos? And I'm like, no. They're like, where have you been? And I'm like, well, absolutely. Well, I guess not here. Like, you need to try these things. So they came with this fried Oreos, like dipped in dough. And I just tried them and they were covered in powder. I was like, Oh my God! Get me away from the stand. We got like in a little golf cart and drove off because I was about to buy the whole thing. <laughs> they were amazing. If you haven't tried them, I absolutely suggest you go out there and get some. Oh yeah, I, there's a lot of people that go to these carnivals just for the food. I absolutely, mean, absolutely. Like I had the uh, like uh, vacío with chimichurri at mm-hmm. uh, Carnival on the Mile. That was just like after walking around all day long. Like, nothing is better. And, Tony, I got to ask you, this was the first year, right? The first year that Carnival on the Mile went to midnight, basically, right? No. No? It go, it's, it's gone every it, year? Well, no. The first year we had it, we had it until 10. Okay. But for the last three years, we've been going to midnight on Saturdays. So it's always until midnight on Saturday. Yeah. And then, what, 10 o'clock on Sunday uh, nights? 10 o'clock on Sunday, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people don't even realize that Carnival on the Mile is such a big deal, you know? Like, I, it's getting bigger. Like, this year I felt like this was the biggest Carnival yet by far, you know? But people still don't realize that this is, like, a major street festival. It, it truly is. It truly is. How many people go to Carnival on the Mile each year? About 500,000. About 500,000? Throughout the whole weekend, about 500,000. But I mean, the space is about okay. So it's but it's that's because it's two days, right? It's two days, yeah. Right, Saturday and Sunday. So within the whole weekend, we probably get about five thousand visitors. So can you tell me a little bit about? And this is something I noticed this year. Why Cayocho was kind of flipped? Usually, like the main stage always used to be on Twenty Seventh Avenue, right? And it's then still, it's still there. It's still there. That's uh, we, I mean, yeah, we have two anchors. We have uh, right? on on Eighth and Eighth. We had Power Ninety Six, right, which was right. our East Side anchor, and then on Twenty Seventh and Eighth, we have our Univision that's been there for. Oh, I know, but I, I thought that the headline performer was on the headline performer. Well, I mean, every, all the stages had their headline performers. Right, each one has a headliner for each stage. This, right? this year, Power Ninety Six had Daddy Yankee, which was the King of Carnival, performing only on their stage. Ah, uh, I gotcha. <laughs> they oh so. They brought him in and... It was exclusive just to Power 96 for him to perform on their stage. Oh, very fancy. Yeah. Well, uh, is is there something more that you can tell us about uh, the sponsors? And, and for our audience, we may have people or people that, you know, are in organizations that would like to sponsor Cayocho. Sure. Well, what's involved? Well, I mean, the sponsorship participation for our, for our, for our event or for our club is, is year-round. I know there's a lot of your listeners and people that would want to help and not necessarily not have the time uh, to to come out and help, and they can totally just call us call us up or get on the website. There's many ways that they could just maybe contribute, and if there's somebody that has like a like a special need that they would want to maybe contribute to our summer camp, our scholarship program, our Christmas project, or you know we have all sorts of our projects going on yearly, and they can contribute to one of them. Maybe they can adopt us. We have a, a, a on our website. You can adopt one of our campers. And provide the fee for what it costs to provide them a, a you know the camp throughout the summer, which but, is pretty. But cool. if I adopt a camper, can I give them back when camp is done? <laughs> you certainly can. Okay, okay. I'm just checking here because you know it sounds like a very serious 
uh, sponsorship of full adoption there, you know. And then when it comes to our, you know, to the sponsorship of our, of our companies, we have Coca-Cola and Heineken who are exclusive sponsors for Carnival Miami, and they've been with us for a very, very long time. And, and uh, they believe not only in just, the, in just the marketing of their product, but they believe in, the, in what the mission stands for the Kiwanis Club of which is helping the underprivileged. That's really important to have sponsors that will, you know, fund those kind of activities and and do it not just on a one-time basis but on a yearly basis. Must be tough to, you know, go out there and find so many. I mean, there's so many sponsors. Like yeah. I mean, the Miami Herald, right? Uh Telemundo. Yeah, we have uh, Univision. Yeah. We can go down you can go down to we have Power 96, we have Telemundo, we have Univision, we have Clear Channel Mega. Um uh, this year we had uh, the tourism for the Dominican Republic on 17th Avenue. They had Johnny Ventura, which was a, a big headliner. A lot of people called me and, and were really excited about seeing him. That explains it because we saw, uh, my friends and I were saying, gosh, there was a huge you know, influx of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. There you go. There Johnny you go. Ventura and Daddy Yankee. <laughs> Those two guys have a lot of draw. They do. A ton of draw. They do. Well, let's see here. You know. I just I love to hear everybody's stories. I thought we we're gonna have a couple more folks rush in the door already. Um, so, Barbara, tell me this: Are you available throughout the year, like representing Carnival and and the Kiwanis Club? Like, yes, for the whole year, I'm going to be working with them. And even after I turn in the crown, I still plan on working with them. Something that I love to do is, you know, to give back to people. There's, I, I mean, I've learned. My mom was she used to do beauty queens. She used to do pageants. I mean. And she taught me that there's nothing better than to help out people. And sometimes you, you know, like in this world where you work with so many people from TV and you become, I don't know, your ego like stands out. And that's not nice. So I've learned. I mean, I've got my life has slapped me a few times in the face. I'm not going to lie to you. But I've learned what's right and what's wrong. And I love to help people out. It really fills me with so much happiness and there's nothing more than I like to do than help kids out. I love to help children out ever since I was in middle school. I would even help out like kids from middle school in the summer camps. I use like I work a lot with um children with that have down syndrome. I love to help them out. I in Colombia, well the two years that I lived there, I had the privilege to represent my country in Miss World. And I worked with a foundation called Sanar and what we did was we raised money for kids that weren't allowed to to pay for their chemo. So we would go on the streets and pick up bottle caps and go to schools, tell them, hey, let's collect all your bottle caps and all of that. We would turn it in, get money for that, and that money would help them to pay their chemo. And it's absolutely beautiful what you could do when, when you have a mother crying to you, you know, thanking you for at least giving your child a couple of more months of life. And that's priceless, you know. When you could do that, it's it means the world to me. So, how can people get in touch with Barbara? Do they contact Kiwanis? Do they contact Barbara directly? I mean, they can definitely contact the Kiwanis or my Instagram, my email, my person. Well, my assistant will get that. It's Barbara Turvey TV at gmail.com. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Wow, assistant. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. But um, yeah. I mean, but if they want any- to talk to you directly, definitely Twitter. Yeah, you can, you know, now in social, you have Twitter, you have Instagram, you have Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. There's like 20 different pages, but most likely I'll get back to you. I love getting back to people. So but my, the email is pretty good. Barbara Turbay, TV at gmail.com. So that's that's a good one right there. I'll definitely get back to you. That's fantastic. And and Tony, do you have 
Twitter? Are you out there on Twitter or no, Instagram? Unfortunately, I'm not. A, I'm not in the social media world. <laughs> well, okay. For those of you who want to reach out to Carnival, uh, they do have a Twitter account. It's at Carnival underscore Miami. That's at Carnival C A R N A V A L underscore Miami. And also, uh, let me see. There's an Instagram account. I think it's. Is it just Carnival Miami on Instagram? Yeah, I believe so. Just at Carnival Miami on Instagram, which I saw you guys just set up, and I'm sure it's going to get a lot of use over the coming year. So we're going to be right back with Swinalo. This is the Only in Miami show.
chance. The night is young, let's make it last. Like there's no tomorrow when your soul will follow. Girl, you know the model, shake your ass. And anything your mama gave you, we a big band with a gang of flavor that loves good girls with the bad behavior. And tonight we gonna wake your neighbors up. What? You work all day to get that dough. Mass stress, but you gotta let that go. Let the beat and the vibe cleanse that soul. Soundtrack provided by sweat, I know. So do the damn thing till you pull a hamstring and find something you just might like. It's a nice tonight and the price is right, girl. All you got to do is keep it cool. And welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're having our Kyocho wrap-up tonight. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow, and please tweet at me if you have any questions or comments to at Grant Stern. I'm going to throw the lines open, 305-541-2350. And we've got a couple of folks on the line who went to Kyocho with me yesterday. John, Peter, you there? Peter John. John, say hi. Hi. Where are you calling from, John? I'm calling from uh, good old uh, Edgewater, Florida. Awesome. And Peter? Bell Harbor. You're calling from Bell Harbor, Peter? Bell Harbor, that's right. Busy day at work in Bell Harbor, huh? Somebody's got to grind. Somebody's got to grind. So, (laughs) (laughs) John, John, tell me your favorite Kyocho story. I saw some of the videos. They're pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I was there for pretty much the duration. Uh, I got there early enough, and uh, really one of the first acts uh, was on the Coca-Cola stage. As soon as I walked in on the 22nd uh, Street. Yeah, 22nd Avenue, right? Yeah, it was absolutely awesome uh, band. The guy came out with an electronic electric uh, uh, fiddle into the audience, and, um, you know, people were just blown away by it. I had chills down my spine. It was such a great act. So that was just one of many. I mean, that was my first, and you know, so several other great acts as well. And uh, uh, it was fantastic. So, uh, which one of you guys filmed the uh, the the guy uh, the march? There's like a march with everybody in the blue outfits. That we'll was be me. Posting this yeah, that was TV. me. That was the, the Columbia float, I believe, and um, uh, some uh, great dancing and beautiful outfits. Uh, you know, the women had the, the headdresses on, and men too as well. So, so Peter, what was your favorite Only in Miami moment from Cayocho? Well, you know, I don't know how many times I've been to Cayocho, uh, but I've, I've been several times. So I've gotten to the point now where I know what to expect in the entertainment side. What I don't know what to expect is in, is in the way of the personalities and the characters who are actually on the street. And for me, that's ultimately what makes um, you know Cayocho the festival that the can't mess up there with the King Mango Strut. Those are the two that I absolutely love. And <laughs> what I would tell you from an Only in Miami moment, there's a gentleman who's probably in his mid Awesome. John, what was your favorite street food item? Oh, boy, that's a really tough one. Um, <laughs> I would say some of the... Narrow it down <laughs> to a top ten, at least. Oh, top ten, that's, that's even harder. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I think. I, he was definitely he was looking at fingers on the cheese at all. <laughs> the cheese at all, I think, is right. 
However, I did uh, embark on some of the uh, jerk um, jerk chicken and the Jamaican uh, food truck. That was pretty good. Um, and um, some of the uh, apes was good. Uh, I tried a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. It's a, a lot of everything. A lot of it. Okay. <laughs> 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 you know, Grant, one, one observation I will tell you, somebody who's been the Coyote Show a number of times, um, boy, what a, a presence by the uh, people from the Puerto Rican community, it, just over <laughs> and above anything I've ever seen before. And they were coming from not only Chicago, but, uh, you know, the Bronx and here and there. And it's just it was really overwhelming. I don't know if it had to do with Danny Yankee or what it was, but uh, Puerto Rico were definitely representing. Actually, I think they were, they, they all came out to see Swindelow. That was ah. it. Yep. Yeah, it was definitely Swindelow. Right, right, I mean? That, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. DR, DR, that's Brinco Charco, man. That's right next door. That's my neighbors. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming in. I'm glad you could make it. Dude, absolutely, bro. Uh, Pleasure. We, we've got Amin and we've got Adrian from Suenalo. Yeah, it was, yeah. you had your Venezuelan flag out, yeah, right? I did, I did. It's uh, usually not uh, when I, you know, display the patriotism but that's one day you that it's very much allowed and encouraged it, to... absolutely i think you see everybody out there with you know their colors oh yeah you know but it's tough for the countries that have the same colors like honduras and nicaragua you gotta get creative bro you gotta get real creative yeah <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people seem to like the red blue and the white you know Puerto Ricans, cubans uh chileans no, a lot of Chilean flags, but they got the same colors. Everybody jumped on board. They did. It was. It was. They yeah. all took the same psychology of colors class. <laughs> <laughs> they work. Now we. You know, as somebody, as somebody who's a fan of flags, I'll tell you one that I wasn't expect to see. Especially uh, if there was Guyana, we're probably displaying that Guyana flag. It took me a little while. I had to look it up on Google on my uh, my iPhone. Wow! You spotted the Guyana flag. Nice. Yeah, okay, the yellow, nice. The, they got the yellow, black, and and green, don't they? Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Like Perhaps mom's was like pie Diana and yellow, Diana. black, and green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of flags for some reason. They're just yeah. nice. Macedonia's got a really nice flag. We got to bring the. How many Macedonians were at the festival? Point three. <laughs> yeah, somebody's, somebody's, speaking, right? somebody's third cousin. <laughs> that took a, you know, he went on a cruise once. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wound up at Coyote, of course. Yeah, yeah, only in Miami. <laughs> I know there are a couple. Did you guys couple, happen to, do you guys happen to see that uh, drone video that was uh, taken? No. No, I saw the one from Carnival on the Mile. Some of the people from Kiwanis had one that would look pretty. Pretty dope, as they say. It was they have drones. Kansas has drones. Yes, yes. yes. They, they had a drone. In they it they donated around. it. It's it's actually a new field. If you guys were listening to the show in December, we talked about this <laughs> with Paul Brinkman from the Biz Journals. Horrible reception in my house. Bye, Barbara. We'll see you later. Bye, Barbara. Bye. Bye. We'll miss you. You can come back anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> No, I you know I posted that drone video. Peter Peter alerted it to me uh, earlier today, and uh, it, it's spectacular. I mean, rising up from like the main stage, like you see that the, the whole thing, like the entire street is just maybe for about you know three or four blocks back. It's just. Do we have an official number for the attendance for this year? Um, you know, have you heard? I'm not sure. Were you counting? Like, I mean, no. You know, I stopped. Yeah, I stopped. Fackler, got... what about your count? <laughs> the the factor did you count everybody that that attended? Yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit less than um, what I usually uh, see, but you know I was I was assuming it had to do with the, the time change. 
perhaps maybe there was some other influence. It was a little bit less than last year for you before. Yeah, uh, you I know, could be wrong. is it true that he hovers around one million people that go? Yes, there? roughly a million people go out there, and, and it's it's twenty blocks. Take yeah. that, Miami Census. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> color coordinated as well. That's, I mean, that's they they are quite color coordinated. <laughs> I mean, any any favorites, guys? Um, actually, I was expecting to see much craziness, but this year was a pretty calm and, at least from what I saw, I heard there were some some altercations but for, from what i experienced in the i didn't see any that I walked as back i call it vibing you know yeah, no no it was very was pretty got along i was expecting some more ratchet sightings as they yeah you, know, but you I, went there huh? I, I went there yeah <laughs> I, mean, I, I hear it's it's, it's a thing it should be chung as not as ratchet now wow. that is one thing to enjoy about coyotes everybody's really just oh, you know you know willing and open to display their 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 pride in who they are in a display. <laughs> as such. Great euphemism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great euphemism. <laughs> the FCC appreciates it. Yeah. No, definitely. It seemed a lot chiller this year. You know, I blame it on yeah. the weather. The weather was nice. Was the weather was perfect, yeah, actually. Usually it's hot by like three o'clock. Everyone's wasted and sweaty, and it's just, you know, that's nice. like a Bad, bad recipe. We had a great time. We had a blast. We had people on skates dancing to the music. Yeah, we had, dude, they were battling. It was great. Uh, <laughs> random people just doing the, the the electric slide. Yes, and we getting other people involved. Slide. Yes, it was it was amazing. It was we, that was Nicaragua that started the electric slide. Yeah. Actually, he totally had the Nicaragua jersey. Yeah, on. He did, like, and he started dude, dancing well with done. really good dancer. Yeah, uh, dancing with random people. So wait a second, they have the electric slide in Nicaragua. You know, he possibly had like a little bit of a of a Nicaraguan twist on it, but I didn't know. I mean, he had everyone involved, and they were owning it. They were owning it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is uh, Coco Yave. Did you see those guys? No, yes, they, I did not get to see them. They are the one guys that came, came down mm-hmm. in the middle. Of, like we started playing the conga in the middle of the song. Oh, <laughs> yes, the massive. Yes, they're a huge conga group, and they just march up and down Cayocho the entire time. Dude, I can't imagine awesome. them making more than like one, two trips in each direction. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like a hundred of them. That's cardio, you know. Get it, get it in. Get it in. <laughs> well, what's cool is they actually play these like homemade instruments too. Nice. Like half of those instruments are homemade entirely. We did see them pass by, and so we did like a little conga breakdown. And like they kept going, and it was like, all right, let's keep it, you know. But we had to stop the breakdown after a little bit. It broke down for like 30, 30 seconds or something, or a minute or something. It was like, all right, let's let's make a move. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But that's that's what Coyote is about. I oh yeah. You know, Paulo was on here. Steve Roitstein, mm-hmm. he was on here a couple of weeks, and we were talking about it. And it's that live music has. It's not just somebody playing something on a stage, but it's an interaction between the stage and the audience. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think there's no better example of it than that. Yeah. You know? No, true indeed. Man. I mean, it's an interchange. Now this is not your first Kyocho on the stage. No. Tell me, uh, tell me some of your better Kyocho stories. Come on. I know there's a few of them. I mean, we've seen it all, bro. I mean, I've definitely <laughs> seen a lot of the, uh, a lot of the violent, crazy action go on, you know, stupid fights and whatnot, and the cops getting involved with the SWAT tower and the whole thing. You know. <laughs> Last year, we played the Pitbull stage. That was interesting and, you know, pretty pretty fun. Um, we've done the Miami Herald stage a few times like we did this year. But this time, they really brought it with a nicer stage and a nicer setup. So, you know, props to the Miami Herald for doing that. That was great. Yeah, big props. Uh, there's only three of you guys playing there this year. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, it's kind of an exclusive stage. Yeah, felt, A lot of times it's like, Kyocho, okay, we're going to have like 
you know, 12 groups. Yeah. And they were making Panko Lechong for us in the back, too, which was great. It was nice. Since less bands means there's better time, more time for the setup and to have a good sound yeah. situation. And, yeah. Yeah. And probably like, you know, less downtime in general. Every time you change bands, you know, you have to oh, yeah. reset the stage yeah. and then people leave and come and go. And this way, it's like, okay, you just. Yeah, just jam out. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. One was, big long gig, right? Yeah, I mean, it was the the most enjoyable coyote experience I've had so far. Yeah, I'd the craziest so I've had was when I played. I used to when I played with Locos a long time ago. You played. Was, you played with Locos Por Juana. Was what I used to play with them many years ago. Right at Coyote. Coyote, and we played with uh, on the same states in the, in the early two thousands when a Latin fusion thing was becoming really popular, and it was a uh, La Mosca was playing, and he the, the van with the trailer was going in front of the stage because it's the way to get out. Most could jump on the van instead of jumping up and down. It was, we're like, what's happening? Is there, and it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy, but it was, it was, it was fun. Well, I, I feel like the, to be the prop. Like 15 years ago, Coyote was, to be there. was yeah. a little more, there's a lot more, as I call it, vibe on the street. Yeah. You know, like, like when I started going there, it was like, you know, girls rightfully were a little bit nervous. Yeah. You know, there was uh a lot of know. grabbery goes on yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that. <laughs> I went to Daily Bird today, though, and the girl who was, she was who attended, was, who made the food, she said, like, I actually had to slap somebody yesterday. But everything was fine. He was, getting, <laughs> he was getting fresh, and yeah. <laughs> and everything was fine. Yeah, I take my girl, man. She's pregnant. Dude. We're trying to start no problems no, with no, that. No, no. You know, I, <laughs> I had a few girls on the production team with me, and absolutely yeah. not one complaint. Except, nice. Okay. Now, at dinner afterwards, we, we stopped at this little place on 8th and 8th, right next to the Power 96 stage that I love, called Paseo Catracho. Nice. Okay. And we, we just grabbed a quick bite. And while she was there, some guy was like, okay, I need your phone number, baby. But that was it. That was it. That was right. it. I mean, were they, are, I mean, was, I, no insult to the girls, but like, are they pretty girls? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Working with? Okay. I mean, maybe well, the, the camera scared the guys away. Possibly, or, possibly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in general, you know, usually that won't deter anybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. We're going to come back with Swenelo after the hour, right? Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we're going to flip through a couple of songs here. Uh, hopefully the booth will have those things ready. We've got about two minutes until we go to commercial, and then we're going to come back for another few minutes. Nice. Yeah, because, you know, we got time here. All right, I like it. <laughs> uh, are we ready? Can we play, uh, what do we got from Swenelo? A couple of songs? Okay, let's let's bring that up. This is the Only in Miami show. We're going to leave you with some Swenelo, and we'll be back at 8 o'clock chatting with Amin and Adrian from Swenelo. 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 There <laughs>
WZAB Sweetwater, South Florida's only business radio station. 880 AM, The Biz, a division of Salem Communications. On the NASDAQ as SALM. The Only in Miami show is brought to you by Morningside Mortgage. For more information, check them out online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. Sunrise 705, you see it on your run at the end of a fun night. That sunlight doesn't care how you look. It shone bright from the birds to the hood. A merchant for good for the workers and crooks, for the stars of the brief stay. Each person is took to their personal nook where we stay, where everybody knows that Jesus made. By lunchtime, that sunshine recharges people. Sometimes it gets hard to see, though. So at 305, we unwind con un cafecito. Come by con un pastelito. Watch it. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're here live Ooh. with Suenalo. Yes. <laughs> so you can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com and Swenalo. You can reach out on Twitter. They are at Swenalo on Twitter, Instagram. That's right. It's S U E N A L O. Hit it. You nailed it. You nailed it. Dude. Okay. So, <laughs> so I want you to tell our audience something fun about the name because I've heard the story. From Tony Laurencio, one of the original band members. Yes. See, now, which story there was, are you referring There's so many there's stories. So many there's stories. so many stories. There's so many stories. There's so many stories. But I heard that you guys debated at one point, should it be Suenalo or Suenalo? I I was not part of that debate. You that missed debate that occurred. debate? I missed that. That might have been before I got there, man. You know, Itawi from Locals was the front man of Suenalo, along with Michelle, our current singer before I came on the scene. And so when locals got signed and they started doing really well, uh, Phil, who's the guy who had started the band, was like, dude, you know, I had freestyled with him a few times. He's like, let's go, you know. You're ready. Yeah. You've been and I, and I was And I was like, I was Phil and his brother Scotty's neighbor forever and like had never met them. So, you know, it was kind of a weird coincidence. So that's how you got brought into the group because you were Phil's neighbor? Yeah, pretty much. Scotty, I met Scotty a few times and he was like, yo, come check out my band. Never anything came from it. Then a, a friend of mine named Gene was a producer making some beats for me. He's like, yeah, I got to go pay this musician that recorded some stuff with me. And he went, took me to Paco's. I freestyled with him. Got the call from Phil a few days later. Yeah, I miss Paco's Taberna over Good on 32nd over. and Collins. Good times. Was, I tried to find it the other day. Oh, it's long gone. They're, yeah. they're getting ready to, you know, turn that thing into. or something like that after. It, it was around for a little while longer, yeah. but they're, they're turning it into another, you know, like they're renovating the whole block. I totally pulled a Beetlejuice and like drew a door in chalk, like at the wall where it used to be. <laughs> yeah. like, Come on. Like, oh, that would work. be an album cover right there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It did not work. So, yeah. now, <laughs> now, you mentioned Itahui Correa, uh-huh. and, and he is the lead singer of Locos Por Juana. Yes. And you, Itahui, and one of our old guests, well, I shouldn't say old guests. One of our prior guests, Steve Reutstein of Gopalo, mm-hmm. are all in this fantastic movie called Miami Boheme. Yes, sir. And that's coming out March 19th on PBS. That's next Wednesday night. That's right. Um, tell me a little bit about your involvement in the Miami Boheme project. You know, um, we've been involved in the early stages of it through Juan Duros, our sax player, and his wife, Denise Galvez, and go-to marketing that they've been a big part of the whole creation of the, of the film, you know? And so 
Um, it's been just really great to be a part of it. it you know, it's, it's a documentation of what's going on in the city as far as musically and what's been going on. And it's great to document those things because in 10 years, it's going to be a completely different ballgame. It's going to be great to look back on that and see what that is. That's my big, that's my big pride part of it, you know, is, is knowing that, that uh, the stamp, I guess, is there, you know? Yeah, it's, it's getting documented. Joe Cardona is also involved with that. Yeah. Director. And it's just, it's just nice to have a place that, or something that's going to say, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, look, let's reminisce. And, I mean, March 19th, like you said, it's also the release party, uh, the, the showing party at the stage. It's going to be a really good time. I think we're all going to be there in good form. Yeah, so you, are you guys going to play at the stage? Or are you going to? I think we're just going to hang. You're just going to hang. Yeah. I've seen something that maybe, uh, maybe Ed. Uh, there might be some jam related things. Jam I'm, says, there are rumors. There are rumors. But rumors of a jam. Huh? <laughs> Musicians at a club might. Uh, play Musicians some with instruments at a club. Add liquor. Don't forget. Yeah, could be a combustible mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it's Wednesday night, uh, March nineteenth. What time is the showing at? I think the, the airtime is what, 8 o'clock? I think so, yeah, 8 o'clock. So airtime is 8 o'clock. You want to get there a little bit early mm-hmm. next Wednesday night. And then the stage will be open until what, 10, 11, 12 o'clock? You know, those guys don't close, bro. Those guys are animals over there. <laughs> Shout out to my man Carlos Garcia, my man Joanne Torres. Yeah, you can. That big Kev. <laughs> <laughs> you can find them online. Uh, on Twitter is a great place to find them at The Stage Miami. Yes, sir. Is that their their website too? The Stage Miami. I think so. Yeah, it's the Stage Miami. We're also going to be playing a next a show on uh, April twelfth. Okay, you're stage. going back there April twelfth okay, at the stage. Yep. And uh, I mean, for those of you who had in in this listening audience, for you out there have not been to the stage yet. If you haven't been, this is a your golden opportunity. It's not a really late night event, and it's going to be one of the best ones. Is Paulo playing? I think Paulo is. I know Lispam. Uh, the spam all-stars are going to play they are oh nice i'm oh. pretty sure the spam all-stars are playing okay um but it's like you're gonna have i think everybody that's in the movie right there will be you know i'm not i'm not throwing you a solid yes yet i don't know it might it's definitely gonna be a jam i mean like you said you put a bunch of musicians in there together it's, it's just gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> well i i'm encouraging everybody out there listening it's the stage miami.com uh the address is uh what one 170, 170 northeast, northeast 38th, 38th street, street. Yeah. you guys have been there before oh yeah <laughs> and and <laughs> not time. to discourage anybody but the entrance it's like it's in an alleyway but it's next to the tremendous tremendous parking lot yeah i mean we're talking one of the easiest places to park in all of miami yeah. the the like least shady alleyway you've ever been to like it's like you feel totally cool in that alleyway yeah yeah definitely I, you know that alleyway is like the stage least, itself it's like the stage shady. for the the people that want to go to the stage. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and everything that happens in that alleyway is kosher. Totally. 100%. Yes. I mean, the stage of alleys. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about it. So you guys have a new CD out called Keep It Grooving. Yes, sir. When, when did you guys drop the CD? Pretty recently, right? Uh, yes, very recently at the stage as well, actually. Um. It was a really a great pattern release here. party. Really. February 15th. So good. Such a great release party. It was a Valentine's Day weekend. Actually, Tony Tony Lorenzo was chiding me for missing the release party. Oh, man. Yes. Well, he should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Somebody's to Afro Beta. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's there. he was a big part of Swanlo. He's a big part of the reason why I'm in the band. Yeah? Yeah. Well, so tell me the story. 
Well, um, him and I became friends through playing shows and being musicians on the local scene. And, and, and Andres, probably, uh, going on tours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> back no, in the day. Back in the day, that's right. Well, and then the joke became that because he's Smurfio, turned his yeah. moniker, I became Gargamel because I'm also a multi-instrumentalist like he is. And I was taking over his gigs. Anytime he couldn't make a gig, he would call me to do it. So when you go on tour with Basilos, he'd call me to sub in Swanalo. He'd go tour with Pitbull, he'd call me to you know, sub in Swanalo. He started doing really well with Afrobeda, and I was subbing in a band pretty much I subbed the whole year. You subbed the whole year? <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the guys, until the guys in the band were like, well, you might as well join the band, and, you know, you play, you write songs, let's start doing your songs, too. But it's still... Like, since you've been around, we might as well do your songs. Yeah, I mean, I was a sub for, like, four years before I became a member. Yeah, so I'm like, which is, which is great. It gave me a chance to really get familiar and acquainted with the... The, the sound, even though it's not a particular genre, there's still a a, a vibe a thing that happens with Swanalo. That what's that's what draws people to the band. I think drew me as a fan first, and then then as a member. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, it's a, it's a groove oriented, dance heavy, but uh, musically thought provoking. You know, it's 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 all those things, all those things and more. Yeah. It's, uh, we call it Afro Latin baby making. That's got to go funk for a reason. There is baby making, as you can tell. Yeah, babies all over the place. <laughs> I got one coming up, man. Like two, three weeks, baby's coming. Yeah. It worked for Phil too, right? It worked for Phil, Juan, Kako. There's yeah. lots of lots of proud members yeah. of the Baby Makers Club. <laughs> Knock on wood. Well, it sounds like the Swindelow family is growing rapidly. Oh, absolutely, bro. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've got this large slate of performances that are coming up. I mean, this is pretty this is pretty you know you guys are keeping busy here try i mean it, it's it's almost as if you have somebody like managing all of this for you <laughs> man you know <laughs> the invisible the invisible man <laughs> we, have, uh, we so, started working with a wonderful individual yes walker. cliff walker yeah he's Something here in the not, studio with us he's, he's like smiling. the wizard of oz bro. he actually turned bright red <laughs> he's like you know <laughs> it's actually casting a glow on this piece of paper. It's hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it is really refreshing to have somebody professional knows, knows what they're doing, so we can focus on the music and for sure, and just being good at what what is that we do, you know, just music. Oh, I thought that was substituting. My bad. <laughs> I'll be that that too. Nice. That you too. know, when you told me of that, because I, I mean, I saw you play with them for years. I didn't realize you were subbing at all. <laughs> <laughs> But but it made me think of something really funny when I think of music substitutes. Is it that we should make a sequel to the movie The Substitute at Miami High starring Adrian? <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> but my story is even better, okay? My substitute teacher in high school for about six months, he was a long-term sub, was Neil Lara. No. <laughs> Neil Lara was my substitute teacher. And it was oh, while was he was awesome. releasing the albums and stuff, too. Oh. What year yeah. was that? That was in... Like 1994, five, yeah. Like 95. That, that is one of the best albums ever come out of anywhere. Yeah, you know what? I bought it twice. That's like seriously, yeah. I, in fact, I bought it in Tallahassee the first time. People don't know; they should know that album. Self-titled, yeah. self-titled, Nil Lara, eponymous, as it was. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> as you might say, I just call it Nil Lara. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic album. I mean, amazing. Nil has incredible vocal range. Yeah. And and he still plays around town once in a while. He's been playing at Tobacco Road recently. And it's definitely one of the influences to what is the sound now. It's brought a little of the or the, uh, the the rock because there's a blend of like the South American rhythms with the Caribbean, the Afro Caribbean 
and the rock and hip hop influences of the American world. So it's it's a it's a nice way to converge all those things without sounding confusing or sounding convoluted. Well, that's Miami in general. It's, it's yeah. this fusion, this yeah. like stew. Yeah, a bunch of odd parts that kind of mix in, and when you melt them all together, it makes something like new and different. The heat helps to keep it moving, so to keep it grooving. Shout out to the Miami Heat! (laughs) (laughs) Big shout out to the Miami Heat, of course. Not the Miami Heat. I mean, come on, you know what would this town be like? I don't know. Yeah, I like the hat. I like the hat. (laughs) For for those of you out, he's got a great Miami Heat uh, pink and blue hat. That's right. Pink and blue. Yeah, they're playing right now, actually. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a spell, but it's a, it's a long season. 82, 82 games is a long season. You know, you got ups and downs. Yeah. And instead, the playoffs is what really matter. Last I checked, nobody won a, regu- a championship in the regular no, season. Well, the Bulls, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you have Jordan. They cut their notches in the regular season these days, though. And it's a, it's a much more competitive, competitive league these days, especially with teams like the Pacers. And even the Bulls on a good day will put up a good fight. And then, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't just, just slip. And that's um, when we got to get Odin ready for, oh, yeah. for the I, bigs of, of, of Indiana. Odin's more than a situational weapon, though. Yeah. I can tell you that. He, he really was much more talented than, uh, you know, like an Olo Candy, like some of these first-round picks that bombed and didn't make it, and they no. played out. I mean, he he's, he never got played out, so to speak. No, he, he couldn't. He, his body never let him. So. Yeah, but I mean, it, but you know what I mean when I say playing out. Yeah. Like as, as musicians, because you know, I don't think that everybody's a musician out there. I think a lot of our listeners are probably not. But um, there are bands that don't really play out. You know, right. like they they practice a lot. Maybe they get a gig here and there. Right. Um, they don't play out. Tell me a little bit about like some of your early days, like before you played out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's start with you. I mean, like, uh, was my first band. Really? <laughs> yeah. They, I, I got into it with them playing every weekend, like, and been playing every weekend for like 10 years. <laughs> wow. You started really big. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Um, I was in a lot of rap groups beforehand and, and we had shows, but I mean, as I'm sure you're familiar well, with the yeah. genre, it's a different thing. You know, there, there aren't really a lot of, at least back then, there weren't a lot of venues supporting local MCs and local producers and DJs and whatnot, you know? So uh, to get a show, it was always, uh, you know, all right, you're going to come and perform for free and do your two songs and be out. You know, it wasn't like a, like a get crazy scenario. The first band I jammed with was a local band called Aboriginals, which are some of the members actually of Mayday. Um, okay. It was their original group with uh, an MC called Discreet and another MC called Pride Rock. And uh, they were dope. They'd play all the time at the sandbar and, you know, local spots, Polish Asparagus Club, all that good stuff. <laughs> Polish Asparagus Club. <laughs> yeah, you know. and, uh, yeah, I remember uh, the Polish American Club. That yeah. place is a barn. I mean, a total Big barn. Big time. Like, does anybody gig that place anymore? The last thing I went to there was like an MC battle with like who could roast the most, like back in like 99 or 2000 or something like that. No. Shout out no, to the Ground Zero crew. <laughs> it's got to be more recent than that, though. I, I mean, that's my last journey there. I stopped you catching. Sure? Like you were doing anything in, a, in, in South Miami when you were? I mean, no, no. I mean, I've got pictures from the first Moksha, mm-hmm. which was at Polish American in 2000, uh, 2002. Oof. That was the first Moksha? That was the first Moksha. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. By, by the time I started going to the Moksha parties, they were doing a different Polish. Uh, the Czech American yes, Club. Yes, the Czech American Club in yes, North Miami. Yes, 
Ray is the king of ethnic American clubs that nobody ever heard of. There's a German American club too. I hear. Where does he get the venue? The venue was awesome too. He's like, just it like it's a great venue. My yeah. God, it, it, if you've never been to the Czech American club, it's like one of these <laughs> private social clubs, and uh, and it's beautiful. It's up on uh, Arch Creek Road. It's like right off of 135th and Biscayne. And it's like right there on Arch Creek. And <laughs> it's got these like huge trees and a beautiful bar and like two stories. You can go up to the second floor. And Dude, that second floor stage. is killer, bro. <laughs> Such good times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like that, this like shadow network of Miami venues nobody really knows about. They didn't know about him back then either. You just no. got a, a flyer or a call from a friend. Hey, you've got to go to the Polish American Club. And you're like, why? Yes. <laughs> I went to a gig in the Gables the other day, and we drove by where the Gables pub used to be at. And that's, remind me, that's where I first met um, all the crew, the Monkey Village crew, the you know, Tony and Monkey and all these people. And when my first gig with Lux with Juana, I, I was missing a keyboard stand, and out comes this guy with an afro, which is Tony. <laughs> like, I got a one, one in, my, in my car, and it's a van. It's got a bed in it. It's amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I wonder why he had a bed in his man or something because he's tony laurencio man <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta meet this place it's called the monkey village it's pretty awesome and it was magical well you know one of our last guests is also friends with tony uh his name is tony lorenzo 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 and he's the president of kiwanis yes yes i saw yeah <laughs> like, and, no. yeah he told me that they play basketball together and that they would call him uh t-lo and they'd call smurfio t-lao <laughs> Tilao? Tilao. Oh, man. He's going to get the Asian grocery store joke all day. <laughs> Tony's the man, bro. Tony knows everybody. I, I don't know how many times we've been in, like, the most randomest airports. Like, we played a gig in Arkansas once, and somebody was like, Tony, what's up, dude? And I was like, Tell me stories. How, how, how does it happen? Like, Tell the stories you know? walking down, like, uh, in um, Amsterdam. Somebody's like, yeah, I know you. I'm like, how does Hands him a melodica and starts playing music. <laughs> He's a living legend. Yeah, He's a living for sure. local. He for sure, yeah. Definitely a living legend, mm -hmm. I agree. And, and tough shoes to fill. Indeed. So I'm not I'm not trying. <laughs> Just, I mean. He still has shoes. He's still, he's in there and he, he, he's in the record. Yeah, he uh, he produced, uh, he, he produced definitely the original of what is 305 and, and he made a remix for Maybe I Might, which is also on there as well, you know. So, uh, so yeah, man, Tony, Tony will always be part of the team. That's awesome. And I so mean, will Christy. I mean, Afro Beta is, and Swanalo, they kind of go hand in hand. It's a lot like Spam and Swanalo, you know, it's, we're all, it's a big incestuous family in here. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy on the incest, I'm sure. You know. Oh, maybe not. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come on, guys, you know. <laughs> so, okay, we got a couple minutes here. Let's see. You're going to be, uh. This weekend at the Fruit and Spice Park in the Redlands. Festival Sabor Latino. <laughs> you have to say that again one more time. Festival that. Sabor Latino. That sounds great. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so is this your, uh, you guys gig there all the time in the Redlands? Uh, no, no. Actually, you know, it's, it's a big deal because we never go out to the Homestead Redlands area. Well, at least not that much. And it's not by choice. It's just not that many gigs out there that call for us. So this is a great time to go out there. It's going to be real family friendly at the park. Hopefully the weather will be just as nice as it was this weekend. And uh, it says here you're going to play 1 p.m. each day, Saturday and Sunday, March 15th and March 16th at yes. the Fruit and Spice Park. Doma, twice, like that. So two sets. Two sets. So if they miss you the first day, you got to come back for the second day. For sure. Lazy Sunday. Bring it out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, on April 5th, it's Miami River Day, right? Yeah. Miami River Day. Yep. April 12th at the stage. April 18th at the South Miami Dade Cultural Center. Yeah. 212th and uh, US 1, right? Something yeah. like that. Or no, uh, 184th. Yeah, shout out to Experimental. We'll be playing with them over there. So that's going to be a really good time. Very cool. And then uh, Mr. Power. May 17th, Powerful. the Orange Blossom Jamboree. That's upstate, huh? That's upstate. Yeah, yeah. Center for it. We've never played it before. I'm excited. Oh, really? Spam 2? Nice. Spam 2. Nice. Artificial. Oh, I love those guys. Nice. See, that's what I'm talking about. Shout out to the Orange Blossom Jamboree for having us and for having all the local bands and showing the support. You know what I mean? Because that's what we need. More of that. Much more of that. And then the 19th, next Wednesday night. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, 8 mm-hmm. o'clock at the stage, www.thestagemiami.com. That's right. If you want to hang out with Swenelo, that's your chance. The pro- the premiere of Miami Boeing. Yes, sir. Guys, thank you both for making it to the show tonight. Dude, thank, thank you, you for having, having us, man. And hey, big shout out. If, you, if you're on iTunes right now, go pick up our album, Keep It Grooving. It's available there on Amazon, Spotify, and all other fine digital music shopping experiences. This is the Only in Miami show, and we'll be right back. Looking for a chain reaction, not his anyway fashion's getting harder to resist the hand of death. He writes a love song with his eyes, and if it's on and he can finish composing it between my thighs, only if the time is right, is warning you. Yeah. 
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern. And we've got Drastic Fanatic here. Drastic. Happy Monday, my friend. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining us. And I understand we have the social buzz man himself, Sebastian Rusk, on the show. Grant Stern, Only in Miami. What's happening, brother? What's happening, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Exciting weekend out at Doral. The Trump family was in the house, as everyone knows. What an incredible job they've done on that resort over there to really restore something cool in Doral. Does anybody feel me? Yeah, absolutely. I do feel you. So I didn't get to catch the, the, the action on the course because I was at Cayocho and kind of running around. So catch us up a little bit on, you know, who won. And, and did Ty, what, what happened with Tiger? I heard that he made a huge charge, and then I was at Kyocho. Well, you know, he, he came out, and as always, you know, he, he's a multi-time winner out of Doral. Last year, defending champion. And uh, regardless of Tiger's good press, bad press, whatever, the guy is hands down one of the best things to ever happen to the game of golf. And last year, being defending champion this year, I really thought, you know, here was a big complaint, Grant, that on... Friday morning, no one was winning. The top player that was in the first position was barely a stroke under because the course was too hard. Now, that's a very difficult concept for me to wrap my head around because these are the top 50 best players in the world. How can the course be too hard? And the, the funny thing was is that that was the ongoing conversation with the low scores. And on Sunday morning, had a chance to catch up with Mr. Trump and walked into the media center and uh, was with his team. And it was the ongoing conversation was, wow, the course is too hard. That's why no one's shooting above minus one, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, how do you make a course that's not hard enough for the top 50 players in the world? It kind of blows my mind. Well, I, you know, I think that's a great point. And frankly, it just means that these guys are going to have to step their game up, right? They're not going to make the course easier, are they? No. Are you kidding me? Trump said, you know, listen, I, I, when I took over this property, I'm about to blow up the big monster. And that's what he's done over the past 12 months. Let's not even start with the fact that Trump took that resort within 12 months, not only blew up the blue monster and was able to completely reconstruct it, but took the resort and brought it to what he calls the Trump standard. And to know that, the winner of the tournament was a 23-year-old tour professional. Now, this guy had had, uh, I'm pulling the stats up as we talk here. Uh, he actually was in the process of uh, getting a tour card, the qualifying process, et cetera, et cetera, and was able to walk on. And um, I don't know if it was walk on. I think it was qualified because he got his tour card. But the bottom line is he was 23 years old. His wife used to caddy for him. He's 23 years old, and she's pregnant now, so obviously was not adding for him this time around, but his uh, brother was filling in for him and just had a consistent uh, um, uh, thought process of, if I just continue to do what I've always done and stay consistent with this game, I'm going to win, regardless of what people are saying about how tough the, uh, the, the, the course was. And I think that's a bunch of malarkey. Grant, if you and I go out and play golf tomorrow, I think course is difficult, right? Uh, any course I face will probably defeat my golf ball, but I do have a good short game. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, actually, uh, golf.com quoted uh, Reed today saying, I don't see a lot of guys that have done that besides Tiger Woods and the legends of the game. I believe in myself, especially how hard I've worked. I'm one of the top five players in the world, and I feel like I've proven myself. The very fact that a 23-year-old is able to step out in front of all these legends and say, I'm one of the top five in the world, I don't care how hard this course is, I'm going to win. I think it's very commendable. Well, you know what? Competition is exciting. And frankly, when golf didn't have that much competition, when Tiger pretty much won every tournament, I think people were excited to see Tiger, but I wasn't very excited by the results. So to have a difficult course like this that challenges golfers, uh, hopefully it'll make for exciting tournaments for years to come. You know, Woods played um, four tournaments and only twice went, went 72 holes. That means last week he was at um, the Honda, uh, just a few exits up north, and pulled out because of his back. Everyone thought, hey, what's Tiger going to do? Still completely fell apart. Uh, any of the other top leaders up there, I don't know if they utilize the course as a crutch to say, hey, this is why I'm not winning. But the bottom line is these are the top 50 players in the world. I don't care how hard the course is or what they've done. I think it was just an angle to say, hey, Mr. Trump, Thanks for taking over. Thanks for completely redesigning the course, the result, etc. But the reason we're not winning is because you've changed this course, and I just believe that's completely irrelevant. Well, you know what they say. The snow affects everybody the same, so does the course, right? This is true. I learned a long time ago that it's not my golf clubs. It's my game. <laughs> it's your game. So, any other final thoughts about uh, the Cadillac Championship and the new uh, Doral Resort? Well, here's one thing, and I'm actually in the process of developing the story right now to put up a social buzz to recap everything. It, it was a lot about golf, but in order to make golf cool in Miami, the tour and the championship had to create a Miami experience, and they did an impeccable job of that. It started on Wednesday night. Uh, they started to coin phrases like uh, birdies to beats and uh, uh, spikes to stilettos by bringing uh, everyone's most famous Miami DJ, DJ Irie out, teamed up on uh, Friday night with Ivanka Trump and Catalina Herrera for a fashion show. And they really said, hey, listen, when the golf game's over and the entire day of golf is over, let's give Miami what they really want. And we both know, Grant, that's a party. And they did a great job of that. I actually, I, was, I didn't get out there on Friday night. The traffic was ridiculous, and which is a great thing. That means all of Miami was getting out there. It was an early night. Festivities went down about 6 o'clock for the fashion show with Ivanka Trump and Irie. It was an incredible night and then continued on to Saturday. I did make it out there early Saturday morning and spent the entire day, and then they capped the entire evening off with a concert from Travis McCoy. The Trumps were in the house. Timberland showed up with his wife to accept a check for $5,000 for their charity. It really was a uh, great opportunity to say, hey, we're Miami. We are but we're also embracing the game of golf. It's good to be here, and it was an all-around great evening. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Sebastian, and our audience can find you at S-E-B-R-U-S-K, right, that's on my Twitter? E yep, that's my e-press kit, and also uh, at com, and then also you can follow me at sebrusk, at sebrusk, and then uh, our story will that's on Twitter. in the next couple of days, absolutely, and uh, it was great to chat Mr. Trump, I think it's great things for Miami. I know it's Doral. I know it's hard for us to wrap our heads around 
yay, go Doral, but uh, the PGA Tour was in town. DJ Irie was in the house, and it was truly a great experience this past week. All righty. Well, have a great night, Sebastian, and we'll have you back on soon. I know that there's quite a few events coming up out at Doral, and there's golf seasons just getting started. And I think we lost Sebastian, but Drastic, you're still around, huh? I'm still here, yep. I, I watched that guy, Patrick Reed. I'm not a big golf enthusiast, to be honest with you. But I watched his, uh, after he won, they interviewed him. Okay. He's a, co- he's a cocky little kid, this guy. I liked him. <laughs> yeah, you like the cocky ones. Yeah, I'm ones. a top five player in the world. This was actually his um, his third PGA uh, Tour title in the last seven months. Okay, so he's, so he's not just some child. Three and seven months is pretty serious. I mean, yeah, at 22 years old, to win a tough course like this against all the big boys. I mean, Patrick Reed's a name that we want to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, definitely. So did you did you get to catch some of the play? Uh, a little bit. Like I said, you know, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch golf, to be honest with you. But uh, Sometimes. Um, you know, yeah. it, when you're a golfer, it's a little bit more interesting because then you're, exactly. like, looking for tips and, right. you know. Uh, Not a lot of golf courses in Queens, but um, <laughs> I was actually flying home from New York on uh, while it was going on, so I was get to watch on JetBlue a little bit. Oh, of course, on JetBlue. Yep, got to be JetBlue, right? Got to be. That's the only way to go. Only way to fly now, huh? Yeah. Now they have Wi-Fi too on new planes. They so got TV and Wi-Fi. TV, Wi-Fi, and a bunch of New Yorkers flying into Long Island. <laughs> What's better than that? <laughs> So, what's the story, man? Is is Phil going to be a Nick? Uh, I hope so. He's the only thing that could save us at this point. I mean, is the hope of Phil Jackson going there enough to sustain you as a Knicks fan through the rest of the season? Uh, no, because if he started, it would only start. You know, he'll only start making moves in the off season. And personally, it doesn't really. Uh, I, I try to hang on for as long as possible, but at this point, they're completely and utterly unwatchable. So, Yeah, they're pretty um, tough to watch. No, they're tough to watch. Like I said last week, it's like even when they were bad, at least they were entertaining. Now they're like bad and just tough to watch. It's just a bad brand of basketball right now. Well, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about this whole situation, and we were like, well, this is like the, the Steve Ross treatment. Remember uh, when Steve Ross pursued uh, Jim Harbaugh? While Tony Sperano was still the coach of the team. Yeah. Like, but this is like, you know, Harbaugh, like, writ a hundred times. I mean, you know, do do you think that that Woodson is going to throw in the towel at this point, or is that, like, the goal? Is he going to try it? What has he been doing until now? (laughs) Well, you know. He just stands there with his arms folded, waiting for, you know, the immaculate something to happen not happening and he came out with a quote today you know he knows it's out there but they're looking to hire phil more as a i guess a president not really a coach but hopefully being president step one and then he'll realize i don't trust anyone to coach except myself so um yeah why would phil jackson want to keep woodson as the coach huh no i don't think he wants that but look it'll give us a better chance of recruiting no question about that you know free agents uh, everything changes if the Zen Masters comes in, I think. Really? I mean, with yeah. the same owner? Well, hopefully he's hiring Phil just to hand off the key, uh, keys and step out of the way. He really needs to, you know, I'm sure Phil, as he would only take the job under that condition, is that Nolan can't say a word. 
think those that would come in and try to take orders from Dolan about basketball operations, like he's not going to have a say in trades that are going to get made. That's not going to fly with Phil Jackson. And that's what Dolan needs to do. And I think he's come to that realization that I need basketball, real basketball people to make basketball decisions. And I just need to sign the checks and step out of the way. I mean, that's what he did with the Rangers. He had Glenn Glenn there all that time. And he let Glenn Sather run the organization. He won him a cup. Uh, and he has to do the same with the Knicks. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. Well, if it happens that way, it could work out. But realistically, is Phil Jackson going to give up immortality to take on the Knicks? That's not his history. He's always gone for the for the easy way. Uh, but, you know, he does have blue and orange in his veins. His first championship was as a Knickerbocker. He was a six-man, uh, instrumental guy on the team. He was with the Knicks for, I think, maybe 11 seasons, something like that. So, uh, you know. But, but is that enough? Everybody said that Carmelo Anthony had uh, blue and orange in his veins because he was a native New Yorker. Uh, yeah. and yeah, that's He was there to restore the team to glory. And uh, what happened? Well, last year he took us as far as we've been in over a decade. This year, not so much, but that's because we've had bad basketball decisions made. And Phil Jackson, hopefully, could stop those bad basketball decisions from being made going forward. And I don't know. I mean, if Phil, if Phil does come in, does that help uh, Carmelo Anthony? I think so, you know, as far as if he, if he wants to stay on board. But maybe Phil doesn't want Carmelo Anthony. You never know. That's, that's First, he needs to take the job, and then we'll take it from there. It's still speculation. Nothing's official yet. So what are you going to personally offer Phil Jackson if he takes the job? Like, a, a, apart from his salary is for the Knicks, you as a Knicks fan, what would you offer him? I mean, what would you be willing to sacrifice as a fan? Uh, like an arm, a leg, I, something I else? Sacrificed, yeah, I've sacrificed way too much of my valuable time to the Knicks organization. In the past 38 years of my life, and I don't think I owe a damn thing. If anyone owes anyone, <laughs> they owe me. So I think they owe me, Phil Jackson, at this point, and I'd be willing to accept him. You'd be willing to accept Phil Jackson? Yeah, at this point. And what else can we do? He's he beat our brains in for X amount of years with the Bulls, <laughs> and then with the Lakers. Well, not really with the Lakers. That wasn't a rivalry, but you know, with the Bulls for sure. Um. He's our only. He's our only shot at this point. He's your only person. hope at this point. Yeah, because he's the only guy that would keep Dolan sidelined. That's it. If Dolan continues to meddle, you know, in, in basketball affairs, they'll never do anything. That's the bottom line. So, let's see what happens. I hope he accepts it, and I hope uh, he lays the blueprint and executes. So, do the Knicks have a first-round pick uh, for tanking this year? No, Bargnani, Toronto. So Toronto's getting your first-round pick. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a very good deal. No, not a very good deal. It, it sounds like they sent Bargnani out there to make sure that the Knicks would tank so the pick would be bad. That's probably that's probably accurate. And then again, you know, Donnie Walsh came in, did a bunch of lot, did a bunch of good things. And he screwed it all up. Dolan getting in the way and screwing all up everything that Donnie Walsh was able to fix. And 
No, he's saying that he has his brain. You know, they redid the they redid the garden. Looks good. Yeah. And then you look at the court, and it doesn't look so good. <laughs> the rest of it looks good, but now Dolan realizes that he needs to bring in a true basketball guy and just step away and let him take over. Well, we're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about the Dolphins' latest attempts to renovate Sun Life Stadium. This is the Only in Miami show. circuito se lo dedico a mi hijo o el tipo veo un brillo como un grillo perdido escondido ven conmigo le digo repito le grito cuando me dijo que ese brillo es el mío que manifesté con un sentido escrito te explico el destino es un clavo pero en tu mano es que tal martillo Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with Drastic Fanatic. Drastic? Yes, sir. Now, you can find Drastic Fanatic at Drastic Fanatic on Twitter, and believe you me, he is tweeting that account. And if you make fun of him for being a Knicks fan, I believe he will tweet back. I will tweet back. (laughs) He'll tweet back. I might not have much to argue but i'll be back <laughs> i'll do my best <laughs> and, and, I, and i encourage all of our listening audience to tweet at drastic drastic fanatic right now and tell him why it's a great thing that he's a knicks fan <laughs> yeah please <laughs> i'd love to know <laughs> he's probably wondering at this point himself so Stephen ross he's looking to uh lay out a few shackles huh yeah, kind of. So, okay, for our audience, if you don't know about this, this article just came out in the Miami Herald uh, by Douglas Hanks. Um, it is Miami Dolphins owner wants to swap $4 million tax bill for stadium renovations. Right, he's willing to dish out, what, $400 million in renovations, right, to Sun Life Stadium? Right, as long as he never has to pay property taxes again. Okay. 
Well, that sounds like a great deal, but I mean, like, if I renovated my kitchen, could I get the same deal? Well, here's the thing, right? So, if the Super Bowl gets played in Miami, how much how much revenue does that generate? Probably a decent penny, right? Yeah, I and guess. You, but you think he's yeah. going to give that up? Well, I'll tell you, the way the stadium is now, Roger Goodell said, the way it is now, they're not going to get a Super Bowl. That stadium is in bad shape right now. Yeah, but the Super Bowl's in bad shape, too. You know, I've read studies that say that publicity-wise, the Super Bowl's a wash. We get nothing out of it as a city. And the last Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl, the NFL headquartered in Fort Lauderdale. It wasn't even Miami, right? That was in 2010. Yeah, I mean, why why doesn't he just like uh, maybe you know at this point maybe he's got to make a deal to become part of Broward, and see if Broward will give away four hundred million dollars. I mean, I think Broward could just take the stadium at this point, as long as they're willing to give him the four hundred million dollars for it. They should buy the stadium. Yeah, and rezone the county, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> why not? Why not? You know, if they got they got four hundred million dollars to spare in Broward County, you think so? Dude, <laughs> have you seen their bus system? They're not spending it on that. No, I try not to bus in Broward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People in Broward think that mass transit is something that you like. Only, you know, I, I don't even know what they think it is, honestly. I was going to make some sort of snide remark, but, I mean, they just don't even know what it is. So let's see. I mean, they, they couldn't get the public to dish out the funds, obviously, after the whole uh, baseball stadium situation. That came and went uh, last May without approving the proposal. And um, let's see if he dishes it out. You know, He has to do something right now for good PR. So why not lay out a few dollars and def- you know, deflect the attention away from all the other nonsense going on and into something good? I don't know. I, personally, I prefer to have a team owner that's more focused on bringing the N- NBA Finals every year to Miami than bringing the Super Bowl. Because I'm a fan. I'd rather see my team in it. The well, Super Bowl isn't, you know, a big catch, really. I mean, it's great, but, you know, your team's never in it if you're a Dolphins fan. Right. Or a Jet fan. Now, I, I heard that they're going to move the Pro Bowl. Have you heard about that? Well, away from Miami? I mean, away from Hawaii? Yeah. Where? The word was they wanted to move it to Arizona, and I was disappointed. Yeah, why would they do that? I don't know, man. Maybe... Huh? Too expensive to fly everyone to Hawaii? You know, the the Hawaii uh, Pro Bowl is a remnant of a, a day bygone when the trip to Hawaii was actually a, quite a big deal for the players. It was kind of like a free vacation if you were a Pro Bowler. Right. Um, you know, back before the players earned the big, big, big bucks. So today it's... Uh, more of an inconvenience for these guys. Yeah, pretty like. much. I mean, a lot of them beg off of it. And, you know, it's just it's not a place where there's a whole, you know, there's no NFL tradition in Hawaii it's except the for Bowl. the Pro Bowl. Right. <laughs> That's a tradition of poorly played games that nobody watches. It's not exactly a tradition you want right. to Right, and now they try to change the format this year, right, with the fantasy draft. Format, format. You know, maybe they should have had the guy that did the format for the Pro Bowl do the new pro, the format for the dunk contest and the dunk contest guy go out to the, do the Pro Bowl because frankly <laughs> nobody would care about what happens at the Pro Bowl. Hashtag what will they think of next? Seriously, the the dunk contest is more consequential than the Pro Bowl. Yeah, they're about the same. Any All Star Weekend, 
Yeah, any All Star weekend is kind of. And then Major League Baseball, the guy who came up with making a count by giving home field advantage in the World Series. That's the only kind of thing that has a a little bit of a some juice to it. Yeah. So how did they work that when the game was a tie? Uh, I don't know. What did they do? That's a good question, right? I, yeah. You know, one of my favorite whipping boys is Flip Bud the coin, Maybe. <laughs> well, that's sporting. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I just tweeted the article. Uh, you can find it at Grant Stern, and uh, also we do have a show account at Only in Miami Show on Twitter. And it retweets everything that I tweet and drastic tweets and uh, guys that are on the production staff. And I want to thank our fantastic associate producers and line producers, Adam Cass. You can find him at Adam Cass, MIA on Twitter. And uh, Hector Roos, he's at Hector in Miami on Twitter. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, just explain this to me. Like, seriously, does anybody else get this deal where you renovate your property, and then you get to take it off the tax rolls. I mean, have you ever heard of a New York team doing something like this? No, he's looking for he's looking for incentive. You know, I mean, four hundred million is a decent amount. I guess renovation wise, what are they looking to do exactly? Does it get into specifics? You know, he says it'll try and pay a few bucks to Miami Gardens to to help them out when he takes himself off the tax rolls. Uh. I don't know if that's going to do them a lot of good. He's he's the largest taxpayer in the city of Miami Gardens, of course. Uh, in fact, I'm saying renovation-wise to the stadium. Are they going to try to make the seats closer to the field? I heard something about an awning they're looking to put in. Well, know. oh yeah, it, the the plan calls. I think it's the same plan they've been talking about, where you uh, reduce the seating count to around sixty-three, sixty-four thousand, and um, and then you do something that they should have thought of in 1986, but. You know, who can say what they were thinking back then? They're going to make all of the seats actually face the field. Oh, wow. Go figure. Go figure. Um, but now there's no baseball team to sh- split with, so now you could just make it a true football stadium. It, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's already a true soccer stadium. And they actually have some great events coming up. Um, you know, we've we've wanted to have a soccer correspondent on here for a while. We're working on it. I swear, audience, we're working on it. Gear up for the World Cup. Well, there's uh, there's going to be a England versus Honduras match, which I strongly encourage everybody to attend because that's probably going to be the best of for these uh, international friendlies. And it's it's coming up in June. Um, It's not the International Champions Cup. That's actually a different uh, different event. But uh, yeah, the England national soccer team is coming. June 4th versus Ecuador at 3 p.m. and June 7th versus Honduras at 4.45 p.m. And uh, England opens up versus Italy in Manaus on June 14th. And these are all friendly matches? Those are international friendly matches. Now, uh, Honduras has actually a very, very good team. I'm not sure if they're in the cup this year or not. But they've got one of the better teams in Central America for sure. Um, I can't tell you really much about Ecuador. But I've seen Honduras play, and they are... They are the real deal. They send guys off to Europe and, you know, let me see. Are they in the uh, the World Cup this year? Yeah, I think they are. I think they're a World Cup. Uh, yes. I don't know. Does Sun Life Stadium host, host any concerts, big concert events? Or? Yeah, Sun Life hosts big concerts once in a while. Um, there was a long stretch where they didn't, though. 
which is kind of surprising to me. I went to uh, the police concert there, I want to say in 2008, and it was their first concert in like 10 years. Really? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they they host concerts out there once in a while. Threat of rain? Huh? The threat of rain too high for outdoor uh, outdoor concerts here? Nah, I don't think it's the threat of rain. It's just, you know, it's it's expensive to host one of those because, you know, I mean, when you're guaranteed to sell out, like when you have a cost structure like the Dolphins where you're guaranteed to sell forty to 50,000 tickets for the event, you've got the TV money coming in. You can do things. I mean, really, it's the TV money. Concerts don't have the TV money, but they have all the overhead. You know, all right. the security guys and the cops and, you know, people take the tickets and whatnot. So you really, you know, you take a lot of risk to do a concert. And, I mean, you That's just got to fill it up. Yeah, you got to get the, the top sellers. So now what's going on in the NBA here? I see uh, the top of the East has been reeling the last couple of days. Yeah, fatigue. Miami lost three in a row, Indy four in a row. Well, the Heat are playing pretty well tonight so far that I saw. Let's see. They're, uh, we've got like two minutes here. Uh, the Heat were just uh, – they were up 60-54 to 54 at half. It's uh start of the third quarter. Heat are uh, up 53-45 versus Washington, who is going to qualify for the playoffs this year. Yeah, they're, they're a fun team to watch, Washington. You know, they finally – Got rid of all the bad actors, and uh, it's beautiful to see, actually. You know, yeah, there's a fan base that's been long, long beaten down. Absolutely. No, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. And uh, John Wall is going to be a, a true superstar in this league for many years to come, it looks like. And then the addition of Marcin Gortat, he's a good big man for the for them as well. Well, it's one of the few uh, NBA trades that you'd call win-win because look at what the Suns are doing. They're they're sitting in eighth right now, and everybody expected them to be literally tanking this year right. to try and find a number one overall pick. Um, you know, and I think it shows the value of coaching too. So that's why the, the Knicks are so horny for uh, Phil Jackson. They brought in Jeff Hornacek for uh, the Phoenix Suns, and I mean, yeah, but who knew how how he would have been. Well, somebody he, knew he that. never seemed like that vocal guy. He seemed like a very quiet guy as, as a player, right? You know, when you look at his stats as a player, you just have to realize he was always overshadowed by his teammates, but he would be a premier player in oh, today's NBA. Absolutely. But he didn't come across as that vocal guy, like that floor general that you normally associate with as a head coach. Well, he's doing the job. I'll give him credit. He's got a team way outperforming anybody's expectations. But you hear that that music, and that means that we're running out of time. Yep. Well, Drastic, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I'd like to thank Sebastian Rusk. He's at Seb Rusk. I'd like to thank Swenelo. They are at Swenelo. Love to also thank Tony uh, Lorenzo from the Kiwanis Club of Little Havana. And, uh, of course, Barbara Turbay, the Carnival Queen. This is the Only in Miami show. Miami.